Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, this is going to be our bonus episode for a, as uh, some people have suggested, to kind of do a setting uh, explanation for the World of Darkness. It just never occurred to me that that would be a thing, but I guess it's not as popular as Dungeons and Dragons. It's also not as popular as it was back in the 90s when it first came out. <laughs> or, you know, the early 2000s when, uh... When everyone was, like, into the... Into the... Into sea. Underworld and all that other yep. stuff. Oh, God, I hated Underworld that was so much. such a bad idea. Why I did they do I, that? I went into Underworld being like, Yes! They're gonna have all the clans of vampires. Look, there's the crazy one, and there's the pretty one, and there's the ugly one. What is this? This isn't this isn't Vampire the Masquerade at all. So before we get too far into shitting on Underworld, <laughs> hello, welcome to our shit on Underworld podcast, it's a we a bi-weekly endeavor on how much we hate Underworld. But Kate Blanchett is kind of hot. God damn it. <laughs> My name's Julia. I've been your GM so far for the Werewolf the Apocalypse game here at Pair of Dice Lost podcast channel. Um, this is my husband Brendan. Hello. You wanna? You wanna? Yeah. Now I'm now I'm actually awkward. Um, <laughs> you wanna go back to making fun of? Hey, Blanchett and Underworld. Yes, I will. Um, no. So I've been taking about a month off from uh, po- uh, not podcasting from GMing after I just wrapped up a three-year-long exalted campaign um and starting next week i'm going to start running mage the ascension which is a game that i love and have never gotten to run oh i'm so hyped like it's gonna be so weird but so getting getting into it is um we showed this to some of your friends that uh that you play that you played WoW with, mm-hmm. uh, and they were like, this is great, but we don't understand anything that's going on. We don't understand the setting or the system. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, so we wanted to go over a couple of key points. Like, where do you want to start with this? So, uh, I know we wanted to um, talk about, like, World of Darkness in general. Um, and I guess a good point to start with is actually Underworld, if you want to, like, put that no, out there. No, no, that's not a good place It's like one of the few pieces of media out there that is kind of inspired by World of Darkness. You mean, besides the three, no, like, the five different video games that are literally under okay. the White Wolf title, the okay. Vampire the Masquerade television show. I love that you're explaining this to me. Like, I need you to, like he holds up the finger like an inch from my face as he's saying this. Listen, listen here. Listen, Linda. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like, yo, what about the blah, 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 and the blah, blah, blah. But it's like, there is a lot of media out there so, for okay, all this. Okay, but as someone who grew up in a fucking cornfield in the middle of nowhere, the only piece of media that I was ever exposed to that was even remotely inspired by this system was Underworld. So for people who lived under a rock, like me, it still happened. Like, you still were affected by this shitty movie. And I'm telling you, the people that I, like... The people that I dated and went to high school with thought it was the coolest shit. Okay, well, it's not Underworld. I can tell you <laughs> that. Uh, Underworld is such a... It's such a just basic... Watered vampire, down? It's a watered down vampire action movie. Okay. It's... So, what... The only thing that separates that movie from... Uva Bowl's Blood Rain is literally production values. <laughs> Okay, so how would you how would you start off explaining to somebody the world of darkness? 
Um, I imagine this is 10 years ago and I've never played World of Darkness. Okay, so World of Darkness is basically you take the modern day world, mm-hmm. modern day society, um, every kind of like technological advance is still there, all, uh, everything. So like cars and planes cars and, and cell phones and like satellites. People, people have apartments and jobs and shit like that. Like it's not, you're not wandering around the woods with your elven buddy shooting a bow and arrow. You have right, a gun. Right. Like so that's a big part of it. The major difference is, is that, um, well, there's a couple key major differences, but the one that is the most obvious is that supernaturals like vampires and werewolves and mages and demons are real. We don't and talk about mummy. Mummy and changeling and wraiths and... Changeling, I thought I recall, was pretty good. I don't, I don't like it. Really? I don't like it, but... Eh, that's I know that name. there's a huge following for it. I've never played it. I want to take a look at it. Maybe I need to take a look at it again. The last time I, t- I took a look at anything Changeling, I was in high school. So and like, we're do- we're this do- isn't super dark. So Changeling is is fair folk, right? Is like fae and yeah, shit? It's yeah, it's like fae. So it's like fae co- courts. And I think that'd be a lot of fun with our current group. Because I think we've only done a bunch of like punchy, fighty shit. Like we haven't been able to post any of our combat on the podcast yet. But this is a group that's actually really good at political intrigue. And I feel like if we had fake courts involved, I don't know what we'd do with Maury. Him playing someone who's uh, fair folk, just mm-hmm. we would, we well, as GM would pull gonna, our hair out. We're going to probably get a little bit into that for the mage thing, oh, yeah. because Maury's character is more of a smart uh, support type who yeah. actually has fey blood. So, World of Darkness is, yeah, it's a modern day gritty kind of like film noir style like you're in the city i wouldn't say that it's film noir i always saw it as like almost no. like almost like a sin city kind of style is how okay. it kind of always ran okay. with me so like those tones and those themes of just like everybody's out to get you there is no hope like because sin city is a very hopeless setting yes that's you, the kind of feel i got from it yeah okay okay that that tracks more with world of darkness world of darkness is all about like horror and hopelessness and one of the things that really stuck with me with this game is it is lethal yeah you mess up like a single roll and you can just you're fucking destroyed just as a a point of reference you only um, have like what seven hit points or something or seven health levels which can translate to 14 hp if you're lucky yeah if you're lucky you have if you're lucky you have 14 hp i literally had to pull out a character sheet to verify if you're <laughs> if you're not lucky and you're getting hit by the by like lethal damage which is like so like there's three different so i'll get into that later we'll get into damage it. later but typically speaking you're going to be typically dealing speaking, with you like you can get murdered in one round yeah easily if you take 14 points of damage essentially you're done that's the easiest yeah. way I know how to translate it because mm-hmm. it's it's seven points and like you need two slashes per box. It's, it's a whole thing. We can, we can get into that when yeah. we describe the system. Yeah, but so. Werewolf has always been the one game that really spoke to me. I started playing World of Darkness. So actually, I wanted to. Can we back up for just a moment? Oh God. Okay. Fine. Yeah. That's okay. cool. <laughs> so the other thing that um, I think that you and me kind of share as far as theme, like we kind of went over the themes and tones of oh yeah in the, in, the seer, in the setting yeah but i think that one of the things that you and me tend towards with it is because it's such a dark setting i want to be the hero regardless we, like yeah you, yeah you and me tend to make stories about being like the light in the darkness about 
yeah, being like, heroic everything's and gone to shit, odds. but we're still not giving up. Yeah, um, I, I feel like that's kind of like the stories that uh, you and me will tell about that. And the other, like, I guess that we can. Unless do I'm it. doing a one shot, and then it's yeah. just all like you're gonna do stupid stuff, like mm-hmm. just you're gonna you're gonna fight the ghost of Kurt Cobain, or on a on a gay cruise <laughs> in the nineties, run by angels, run by angels in the nineties. Like that's the stupid shit that we that I've that I've done for one shots. Uh, Brendan has a lot more experience jamming from than I do. The podcast that we have going right now, I think, is my only only my second major campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before then, all I've done is one shots and played in games that he's run. Um, and I just I draw a lot of inspiration, specifically in terms of like themes for my games from like obviously movies and video games. But for me, it's a matter of I always go back to when I was a kid and my dad would uh, read me bedtime stories. And it was always like, my dad always told me like the darkest fucking stories. Always. There was one about like this boy got adopted by the angel of death. And like she taught him how to heal people and stuff. And that's the kind of stories that I kind of latched onto. And basically the the end of the story, he does something wrong and she's forced to like make the decision to, to like kill him because he decided to mess with fate. Um, and it always bothered me. It always made me really mad. But he did it for selfish reasons. And at the end of the day, the angel of death was actually the good guy because he was like, I'm trying to maintain balance and selfish people can't be allowed mm. to happen. So that was always like a big formative thing for me that you always, no matter your circumstances, if you're a werewolf or a blood-sucking vampire, there's such a thing as the right thing to do. And it's it's not necessarily always the the the, uh, the altruistic thing like vampires are inherently selfish but I would I would argue they're inherently selfish they do have to do awful horrible things just to survive but I would also argue that they the main driving point with them is their humanity and their so, their their struggle to hold on to that so so vampire is kind of my thing i kind of own like the whole line of it okay you 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 are the owner and operator of vampire um so like no i'm not the owner and operator of vampire but (laughs) fuck off i am mage shut up um (laughs) so one of the things with vampire is, is that you can literally play vampire one of two ways you can either be kind of like the Tom Cruise interview with the vampire, like, oh, I'm trying to cling on to my humanity. This movie is so unrealistic. I'm taller than everyone, but I'm actually five foot nothing Tom Cruise. <laughs> his, his height keeps shifting. <laughs> this movie is so unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah, no, so uh, in Vampire, you have uh, what's called different moral paths, yeah. such as the path of humanity, which is basically like, hey, burp, um, be a human. Be act like a human. Do good things. Don't do evil things. Don't murder people. Okay. Everybody's all like, "Oh no, the vampires, blood suckers, and everything." You know what's really ironic about that? F- fucking in Vampire the Masquerade, people want to get their blood drank because it gives them a like weird high. Yeah, basically. Okay. Well, let, let, let's say let's say that, and not like basically they orgasm. Okay. Because it's well, that we didn't have to say it. I was gonna say a weird high, and then we could have left it at that. But you went full orgasm on it. Well, I mean, that's basically how it's described in the '90s book, because <laughs> that's the cool way to do it. And so, 
and so werewolf was always my thing if i recall like we you mm-hmm. did a mixed world of darkness game that was we just went off on like a five minute vampire <laughs> yes we did we do it. this this is how you and i operate this is gonna be we're not editing this are we we're just letting this one go yeah, right, right. I don't we know. i'll i think i might edit for sound but right. i'm not gonna cut shit okay i don't really have the patience and this is just a bonus episode so like okay. I, I love you guys but i don't really want to spend too much time editing on my day off this is my only day off right now um so when we sat down and we were talking about stuff and i was like you know you were burned out you were done with exalted and i was like i kind of want to run i haven't run in a long ass time and i kind of wanted to run hunter because that was my one shot baby Mm -hmm. um i love i love hunter because i don't really entirely understand it i just know that it's stupid and so it's it's just a setting that allows for just the most ridiculous dumb shit to happen. Like, you can smack a zombie in the face with a corded phone and blow its head, like, explode its head with a smite, if I recall. Yep. But <clears throat> Werewolf really spoke to me, and you looked at me and you were like, why don't you run a Werewolf game? And I was like, oh my god, you're right. Um, werewolf the Apocalypse is phenomenal. And we haven't gotten too much into it in the podcast yet, but the lore in this game is great. It's traditional werewolves you're you're bitten or it's it's a curse or it's it's some horrible thing that's befallen you uh werewolf the apocalypse takes it a completely different way and turns it into like a bloodline something that is meant to be honored something that's like it kind of still makes you an other it's you're still a monster you're still on the outskirts of society but there's a whole community and different tribes of werewolves that Mm -hmm. You just, they welcome you in, and you just, you have this whole other second society of, of werewolves that it's, it makes it easier from an emotional level if you were born, you're like, something's wrong with me. And then your first turning happens, happens at puberty. So, like, when you're 14, 15 years mm-hmm. old, and you, like, start going through puberty, imagine just turning into a fucking werewolf one night, you're just like, I don't understand what happened. Um, uh, it's usually more traumatic than that, if I recall. It is it's a usually lot. Pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty brutal. Uh, usually, uh, I mean, we didn't really get into. I don't know if you I plan on getting into I don't. Our first changes. I don't. The reason is, is because this this game that I'm running is Werewolf Light. Okay. Because most of you have never played, so I wanted to like cut some of the fat, if that makes sense, and just get. I know that sounds really shitty, but I wanted to get you right into the setting mm-hmm. and let you play characters. And the next season that I run where you play new characters, we're going to introduce new elements of what it means to roleplay a werewolf. Okay. That's kind of like my thought process behind this. We've never played this before. I don't want to... I wanted my players to be like, I want you to imagine your most badass, like, killer werewolf. And I want you to just jump it right into being that awesome badass. Okay, so, bad, so you haven't had to go through the trauma and the bullshit. Yeah, like, that. that's okay. that's okay, something that, makes... that I... Yeah, I wanted my new players to deal with, not have to deal with that. But um, then it goes into this huge, like, backstory of there's this cosmic fight, which we got planned to go over later. But another big key difference between um, Werewolf the Apocalypse and traditional... Um, lore that you find on werewolves especially in the media is that you don't change because of the full moon it's a conscious decision or because someone made you really angry no no once you have your first change you can make the decision to turn into a werewolf right but there are rules for uh that's what rage is for right i I was gonna say there are actual uh things where that uh depending on 
the phase of the moon, you actually have a higher frenzy. Well, goal actually, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm well aware. Like, okay, but going and bogging this down to vanilla werewolf, not getting too like caught up in specific systems. Okay, it's you're not completely hindered by the phase of the moon. It's not like the full moon happens and oh, right, right. You, you, you wolf time in the middle of the fucking day. And yeah. Just, you, fuck shit up as a giant wolfman. Yeah, you're not limited um, that way. What else? Um, I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to go over with this, because this is, again, this is like my favorite. Uh, so the D10 system is another... You said you want to do that last. Yeah, we can do D10s later. Uh, forms of werewolves, right? I was going to say the lore is a... Um, so how do you want to start with the lore? Because okay. it's, it's a weirdness. So... The lore of Werewolf is very much like, um, the, the, just the basics of it are, hey, the world has, like, three divine beings that made the whole universe, uh... The Weaver? The Weaver, the Wild, and the Worm. The, the, the Wild basically creates life and nature. Mm -hmm. Um... The, the Worm? We the Weaver, um... Shapes it shapes thing shapes things and uh order and basically orders the universe and then the worm destroys things when it's when it's time and they lived in balance and then the weaver went crazy and then the weaver went crazy because it got sick of the worm breaking all of its shit so it made a big ass cage around the worm so then it couldn't destroy its shit and then the worm went crazy because it couldn't do its fucking job and it and started then, attacking the wild mm -hmm, and then started attacking everything indiscriminately because fuck off and so I'm in prison. the wild is known in modern times as Gaia. Mm -hmm. And her, she's, she's being attacked. She's looking, she's watching her, her two brothers, I guess, being consumed by madness and anger. And so she creates champions to fight the worm. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the worm takes on three forms, if I recall. Corruption... Consumption and battle. No, there was a there was another one. Oh my god! It was the consumer of souls, the harbinger of battle, and something else. Or the corruptor, I want to say. Yeah, cor yeah. That sounds about right. We're the best at this, guys. We're just, you know, we don't... I, I didn't expect you to just ask right off the bat. Well, you're the one. You literally went over this with me yesterday. So, uh, like I said, I'm still the novice GM here. He's he's kind of like my sensei. Beast of War, Eater, Worm of Calamity, Worm of Consumption, Worm of Corruption. That was it. There was the three Cs, the CCC. Mm -hmm. um, calamity, Corruption, Consumption. Mm -hmm. um, and so it takes on many different forms and many different aspects. And so Gaia, in response to that, makes her champions, which are werewolves. So the idea is that she created these uh, these great beasts to fight for her. And they are vicious and what do you, you got a face. You've got to look on your face. No, I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just looked over and he's like staring at his phone like... He's learning something new. So she creates the wolves to fight for her. And from them, she makes different packs. Um, and did we want to go over the tribes first? Or did we want to go over, like, the the more basic shit? Cause, like, the more basic stuff. We'll so go over the more basic stuff first. Wolves are born. 
as originally they only had two forms that they were born into Hamid, which is human or lupus wolf so the idea is that you're born a human you hit 14 and you have this traumatizing change into a werewolf or you're born a wolf you hit like a year not even like two or three two or three years and that's when you hit your puberty as a wolf and you have this traumatizing change and now you're a man and you've got to deal with that and like you can now turn into a human being even though you were born a wolf and vice versa um but as the tribes gathered it they started interbreeding and what happens is when two people or two werewolves Mm -hmm. sleep together and have a child it's born like a mule and it's called a metis so they're infertile they're born in their werewolf form and they're typically shunned by their society like they're seen as as um like a bastardization or they're they're just treated badly they're seen as i want to say like a slave there's i want they're not it's not necessarily that bad but it there there's a lot of um their nicknames mule bastards and obscenities so the problem so the reason for that is because i want to say that sometime during like when gaia came down to like talk to the werewolves or something gaia was all like hey werewolf will not sleep with werewolf yeah and you know hang on i'm actually broke the litany uh oh they broke the litany i don't know what the fuck that is that's what i'm looking up right now don't 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 judge me i'm bad at this the code of laws kept by the guru. The code, oh. yeah. The litany is the code of laws. The if you ever get a chance to look at uh, any of the World of Darkness books, they actually have an entire section in their books of just vocabulary used in the series, and it's kind of great. Um, and once you get into it, it really gets pretty immersive. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you start using stuff, like so, if you're you're talking about different, if you're looking at someone in their in their werewolf form. It's their Krenos, if I recall. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, bad, like, hulking werewolf that's got, like, the tail, and it's just on its hind legs, and it's kind of got the anatomy of a man, but it's covered in fur with the wolf head. It's That's the Krenos form. And you refer to other people of the of the bloodline as a guru. Um, and once you start, like, getting into that, it really does become very immersive. But, yeah, Gaia, I think, came down, or the litany happened because... Oh, the reason Metis aren't aren't liked is because they can't carry on the bloodline. Mm-hmm. They're sterile. They offer nothing to the future of their people. The only way that werewolves continue to reproduce and continue their fight is by having offspring. And if they can't have offspring, then they're useless. And right. that was a big deal with the Metis. It wasn't... I don't think that it was an issue. We can come back and... Yeah. Here, you keep going with stuff, and I will look it up. So, yeah, so you, you're you either born a lupus, uh, a metis, or a homid. And for my game, I, I said the only way I'm letting anyone play a metis is you have to give me a goddamn good reason. And you're going to have to be really on your on your game with the roleplay. Because metis systematically has, I want to say, some of the best stats for, for combat especially. And I was like, I know that I have individuals in my group that are very good at mid-maxing and Mm -hmm. that's great that's fine if you want to play a metis i need as a gm you've got to give me a good reason for it um 
and so no one really could come up with a good backstory for it. The, I think it was uh, you and Jake were the two that I thought would have been able to pull it off because you have more experience with World of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to pretty intense roleplay situations, you guys rarely let me down. Um, and so everyone in the group is playing either a Lupus or a Hamid. Um, and being born a Hamid gives you the ability to use computers and firearms and cars and being born a Lupus gives you more Gnosis. It gives you some different other things. Um, the phase of the moon. So you're born, you're born either in one of these forms. So that's your form, your, your, your birth form. And then you get born under a specific phase of the moon and that's called your auspice. Um, and I believe there's five, but I've got them in front of me because I knew I was never going to be able to remember off the top of my head. Um, so, for instance, Cypher is playing a Ragabash. They are the new moon or the trickster. Um, according to the book, although the new moon may seem disrespectful, his wry humor and incisive insights are meant to serve the greater good of the guru. Um, so they don't question everything. They just kind of sit back and they go, maybe that's not the best idea. Um, they can also be seen as a bit of rogues. They have, um, they have a way better chance at, like, lying to people. They get different initial, um, gifts that we'll get into later, how that works. Um, but next to them, so that was the new moon, and then there's the crescent moon, the theurge, which is the seer. And I believe, let me check my notes real quick. I'm glad I wrote all of this down so I'm not clickety-clacking on the computer. You believe what? Uh, I believe, who's playing a theurge? Christina. Christina is playing a theurge. It's just Christina. Yeah, I thought someone else was thinking about it, though. Jake was thinking about it. Okay, so uh, Odessa, Christina, our wonderful note-taker, who also runs our blog for this, um, is playing the theurge. And they're the, um, they're based, yeah, they're the seer. They're the spiritual ones. They're they're a lot more adept at finding uh finding spirits and dealing with the secrets of cairns and stuff um some call this these seers the daydreamers of the werewolves and many do seem to be a bit detached from their brethren but they can see and hear things that others cannot as they live in half they live half in the world of the physical and half in the world of the spirit so the idea behind them is that they are more adept at magic is the best way to know how to use it um, which werewolves kind of have their own spells, and I say that with quotation marks. Um, they're called gifts. Um, they can be strange, enigmatic, prone to falling into the convoluted symbolic logic of the spirits they truck with rather than the more familiar logic of humanity. Then you get into the Philodox, and I believe we have two Philodox in this game. I've got Maury is playing a Philodox, and Jake is also playing a Philodox. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Get of Fenris and the Shadow Lord are playing the Philodox. They are the mediator, so they're the balance. They are there to judge, and they are frequently leaders in times of peace, but often cede command to others when war breaks out. Um, so they're the more level-headed ones. They're the ones that sit... No, Philodox are the ones that... No, no, you're right. I'm just thinking of Maury's character. Yeah, I know. He's... Maury's playing... Maury's playing Maury. 
Maury is playing, uh, Maury is playing Sigurd the way that he wanted to. They have a really good quote for the, uh, the, the Philodox, which is, You abandoned your post to aid a packmate. To save another guru's life is commendable. To think of your packmate before yourself is proper. But to put the sept in danger is foolish and disregards the lives of your fellows. You must pay the price for that. I levy the punishment of ordeal. Perhaps your love of your pack will encourage you to excel here and wipe the stain from your honor. So that's, they understand both sides of issues. They understand that there is there is a time to go to war and a time to sit down and talk. And they very much are less about making rash decisions and more about what's the careful decision is how I've always understood them. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the Galliards. Is anyone playing a Galliard in this nope. game? I was okay. thinking about it, but so, I decided against it because uh, the gifts kind of suck for my character. <laughs> uh, the Gibbous Moon or the Moon Dancer. They're, if I recall, they were kind of like bards. Yes, they act kind of like bards. They're really heavy support. Keeper of traditions, um, carrying the lore of tribes all the way back to the beginning. They're, uh, yeah, they're they're the record keepers, the the oral tradition speakers. Okay. Um, they, conversely, their waxing moon cousins sing of triumph, tend to be the soul of their pack's morale. When the galliard is willing to go on, so too are all the others. So it's kind of like in, um... Oh god, in the Mighty Ducks, Charlie is the heart. He's not necessarily the the team captain, but he's the heart of the team. Mm-hmm. Like Galliards Galliards are Charlie. You're looking at me like you don't remember that movie at all. I don't remember that movie at all. It is literally the only things I remember are uh, flying <laughs> V formation and um Quack. Quack, yeah, quack, yeah, that's quack. the only thing that I remember from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> but for anyone who has like obsessive uh, knowledge of old school movies, like I do, yeah, Charlie was the heart of the team, so Charlie would have been a Galliard. And then the Arun, and the rest of the team is all Arun. Uh, you have Brendan is playing an Arun, Britt is playing an Arun, and Emily is playing an Arun. And the and for a lot of really specific and easy to understand reasons, they are the full moon. They are the warrior. This is your combat. Uh, you're really, really like just beat stick auspice. Um, the Arunas are respected, but also treated with some level of dread. Their killing instinct is inborn. Even a full moon just past its first change is more lethal than many veterans of other auspices. Um, and there's some systematic reasons for that. Um, there's a system called Rage. That was really weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what happened. Uh, Audacity just kind of like shit the bed on us. Yeah. So we, we were, were talking about rage and Arun's. Yeah, rage is a weird system. So you use rage points to do a bunch of different things. Like you can take free actions or take extra turns. You can use it to automatically shift into a different form than your. Uh, then then so if you're then your natural form, you can use it to. Uh, get extra successes. Uh, same thing you can do with willpower. Um, the other problem with rage, though, is that uh, if you use it, um, you can go into a frenzy and basically go into a berserker rage and just start indiscriminately murdering people. So, including your packmates. So, yeah. um, runes start with the max amount of rage that you can at character creation. Yep, and it's so detrimental to any kind of social thing that basically you constantly look like a scowling I'm going to murder someone machine 
because you're at that mu- because you have that much rage. Like you just radiate this anger that like and predator predatory. Yeah, and just predatory instincts. Which just... is why when you're walking down the street as Ganon, people are kind of like, they see you and they freak out, but then they see Callista, your dog, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Well, that's also why that I have him do, whenever he does cosplay he for his job, he always picks, like, villains, so then they're like, ooh, he's doing such a good job, or like... Yeah, so they, you have that, you have that, quote, stage presence. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's where I always have my players start is, all right, how were you born and what phase of the moon were you born under? And the very next thing I'm like, all right, don't look at stats. Don't look at anything else. Go read through the tribes. And, um, there are 13 playable tribes. Is it 13? There are 13 playable tribes. (laughs) He's reading. 14. 14. There's 14 tribes. Um, and then there's the Lost Tribes, which I locked. Um, the reason is is that there's some weird mechanics for them. And again, this is this was just a watered-down version of Werewolf. It wasn't meant to be super intense and in-depth. He's going there and counting them again. Is it? Okay. Wait, no, I think it is. Okay, so we'll just list them off real quick. We've got the Black Furies, the Bonars, the Children of Gaia, the Fianna, the Get of Fenris... Glass Walkers, Red Talons, Shadow Lords, Silent Striders, Silver Fangs, Stargazers, Uctena, and Wendigo. Okay, so it is. It is 13. Okay. We, just, we just counted one twice. Um, so Brendan's playing a male Black Fury, mm-hmm. which is really weird because Black Furies are Greek Amazonian female warriors. It's literally like I got to be the, the one guy who got let onto the Wonder Woman island. So when you pitched that character to me, you came to me and you were like, I want to play a male Black Fury. And I think we were at the hookah bar and I like slammed the book and I said, you better have a goddamn good reason for this. And I just kind of looked at you and I went, Ocarina of Time Ganon, I'm the first Gerudo person born every hundred years. And you went, you goddamn asshole, you're playing to to my weaknesses. It's Gerudo. Thank you very much. It's Gerudo. Gerudo? Yeah. I always thought it was... Oh, yeah, you're right. Who who pronounced it Gerudo? And I, went, I did. I've done it multiple times. It just switches. It depends on so, how I feel. So, like, The Legend of Zelda is my favorite fucking game, and Ocarina of Time is my... I'm still planning my Ocarina tattoo. Um, when he comes to me, he's like, I want to be, like, the one male born out of a, at every century that's meant to be their prince, their leader. And I was like, all right, well, that's fine. Um... So one of the stereotypes for them is that they, like, hearken back to uh, Greek goddesses like Artemis and Athena, uh, the Huntress of the Moon. And so they all hail from Greece, typically, mm-hmm. or they're of Grecian descent. Um, they are very... Sh- they're, 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 they're the warrior tribe. They're uh, systematically, I think that they are the best warrior tribe. But the thing that puts a lot of people off from playing them is general... Well, a lot of guys off from playing them is generally you're only going to play a chick and for some of us it is weird to play the opposite gender in a game and males are born to the black furies sometimes but they're usually born as metis mm-hmm. um and sterile and that's one of the things that we went over before was when he was like i want to play a male black fury um i sat down and i was like all right well we're gonna have to figure out a way that this is gonna work because before my understanding was that they just sparta kicked 
male babies off a cliff and killed them, but that's not the truth. They they still have them. Um, they are just Metis. So he is, if I recall, Ganon is a white-haired, Hamid, yeah. uh, non-sterile black male black fury which is what made you which is why i made you take so many ranks in pure blood i literally have five ranks in pure blood yeah which i need to be playing better too as your gm but that's a mm -hmm. different story for another time um so that's that's how black furies work they are very very uh matriarchal mm -hmm. yep um and next we go to the bone nars and i i just think they're cool man like it, so the Bonars are the, one of two uh, very city-oriented tribes. They're incredibly urban. Um, the other one is the Glasswalkers, which we'll get to in a little bit. But the one thing to keep in mind with them is, is that the Glasswalkers are all about... We'll get there. Well, so the Bonars are all about kind of picking up the scraps mm -hmm. from the urban society. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of... They're tribal totems of the rat. Yeah, they 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 are. I wouldn't say they're not in a good place because that's where that they want to be. They want to be down in the they're, dumps. They're like the ninja turtles. Yeah. They like they they're totally at home living on the streets or in a cardboard box or in a sewer. They're survivalists set to their core. They will take whatever they can get, and they're incredibly um, resourceful. And using their urban surroundings to fight off strains of the worm. Or um, so a bonar would be best in like a back alley with shit they found in a dumpster to fight mm -hmm. off a vampire. And the other thing, uh, as I was just kind of reading the little quote at the bottom of there, is uh, so because werewolves are always fighting the worm, and the worm is super easily found in like cities and. Um, like places of like toxic waste and corruption mm -hmm. like they are literally right on the forefront of where worm taint is going to be so they're exceptionally adept at fighting the worm fighting the worm it. yeah and as they use guerrilla warfare tactics if i recall mm -hmm. um is one of their stereotypes um next we come to the children of gaia which i've never seen anyone play I have never seen any. I know the least either. about this tribe. I, I, so they're the, the one of the things that I learned is they always have two pack leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a male and a female. One is the voice and one is the arm, if I recall. Um, and the voice is always female. The arm is always male. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're, they're tribal totems, the unicorn. They're, they're, they're hippies. Yeah. I, I, like, knew, I knew the least amount about them. They're, there's a they're incredible they're, they're warriors to to their core they were one of the first to take the fight but they are they're more about peace mm -hmm. they they're about protecting the land they're a little more like what you would consider of like not irish druids but mm -hmm. a revivalist form of druid yeah again i just don't i just don't know the the uh, a whole lot about them because it's never been something that anyone was ever actually interested in playing the children of gaia constantly involve themselves in the arena of human politics okay um so they they are they understand more that the society of man is going to affect things so they want more of a connection mm -hmm. with our with their human brothers mm -hmm. so that they can form a weird alliance is the best way i know how to understand it um 
Their quote is pretty cool. We're Guru. We draw out the toxins from our mother's blood, cut away her cancers, slay the parasites feeding on her flesh. But once the surgery's done, you have to bind the wounds back up too. Mm-hmm. So they're all about, yeah, we're going to go and we're going to do the fight, but we're still going to well, make gotta... reparations after. Mm-hmm. You still have to do it in a way that doesn't salt and burn the land. Right. Um, then we come to the Fianna. <laughs> Their quote actually has a howl in it. <laughs> so the Fianna are the, um, they're, they're like the Irish Scottish werewolves. No, they are the Irish werewolves. They're the Irish werewolves? Well, then where are the Scottish werewolves? They are the white howlers that became the the Black Spiral Dancers. Oh. White howlers were from the Scottish uh, from the Scottish Highlands. The Fianna are proud Irish warriors. Um, if I recall, they are the Celtic people. So they, they do have some Scottish in them. Okay. But traditionally, they're always, they're usually depicted as from Ireland. Um, they're so cool. I I love Fianna so much. Emily's playing one, and I mm-hmm. I just love playing Diarmid. Mm-hmm. And the fact, like, I just love, I love that goblin faced little man. He's mm-hmm. so good, and I love Emily when she's playing because she just doesn't know what to do sometimes with me. Um, but they're the closest tied to um, changelings mm-hmm. yes. because they hail from the from Ireland. Um, I always saw them. Uh, as kind of like bards meets warrior, so mm-hmm. they're the they're the drunken masters of this series. Um, oh yeah, they'll they'll share a drink with you, and if you say the wrong thing, smash their goblet across your face, like, mm-hmm. and then they'll just order you another drink, and that's kind of how they roll. Um, do you have any other? No, not really. That, that that kind of sums them up. They're just I fucking love them so much. Um, and then we get to the Git of Fenris. Um, so Gita Fenris is pretty self-explanatory. They're uh, they're Norse, mm-hmm. um, but even among a race of warriors, the Gita Fenris are the most warlike. So they are your berserkers, yeah. which is why that uh, Sigurd makes sense. He's a philodox, so he is a little bit more tempered, but he's mm-hmm. still a Gita Fenris, and his whole life is I'm out here to like go into berserker mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they believe they are. I believe they're actually, let me see, I, if I recall correctly, they're direct descendants from Fenrir. I do not know. Uh, origins in Europe, Germanic tribes. So, yeah, no, because of their faith, they, 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 how do I put this? They draw their inspiration from Fenrir. Um, so they... They are proud, proud warriors of the Northland. So they're berserkers. Uh, one of my favorite uh, stereotypes of theirs is for the Black Furies. Uh, a warrior is defined by fang and claw and clave, not by a womb. You want respect? Earn it. Mm-hmm. So the Git of Fenris are very much like, nah, I don't care if you're male or female or anywhere in between. You've Let's see how you fight. Let's mm-hmm. see how you handle the worm. Um, I, I got again. I love Get Avengers so much. Now we come to the Glasswalkers. So the Glasswalkers are the other big urban tribe, and there, whereas the Bone Gnawers are down in the shit in the alleys, the Glasswalkers are mafiosos. Kind of mafiosos. They could also be uh, 
company CEOs, they tend to be the people who have the most connection to humanity and politics. They're like... And they can be on either side of the law, but no matter what they're doing, they're generally working towards uh, helping uh, win the fight. I love that the tribal totem is the cockroach. Mm-hmm. They are all about survivability as well. Um, yep. You have to be as a guru in a city because it, it doesn't come naturally to you. It really doesn't. But the big thing with them is that they're also tech inclined. Mm -hmm. uh, glass walkers are, are the ones that are more likely to work for Silicon Valley. Yep. But they also, a lot of their companies are seen as like super green. So they do a lot of eco tech companies where they'll be powered entirely by solar power because they're trying to protect the earth. Um, and they're kind of looked down on by most of the tribes because they see them as sellouts to human society. Mm -hmm. uh, but glass, I fucking love them I mean, that's so what much. Playing. Yeah, he, they're, I love them so much. That's why Tony doesn't necessarily fit in super well with the rest of the group. Well, he's also got the monstrous feet. Like we, I don't think we've gotten too much into it at the game. No, game. I didn't even know that. I've never really even. Yeah, seen I've, that. I haven't had a chance to do character descriptions because I'm. I get so excited about the story, um, but. Yeah, Cypher's face is, like, completely, like, blown up and scarred with, like, chemical burns and, like, oh, cuts shit. and shit from when he was working with explosives that in the military. Shit. So, yeah, Cypher, that's why he doesn't talk. That's why his voice is so raspy. That's why he always has the hood up. Um, and then after the Glasswalkers, we go to the Red Talons. They were not in first edition Werewolf. Originally, there was only 12 tribes. These really? were a, Yeah, these were a second... Um, these were an addition that you had to buy a separate book for. Huh. Um, so the Red Talons. They're the only tribe that is uh, completely lupus. Yep. They are always born a lupus. You are never born a hobbit. Uh, they are bloodthirsty. Like the picture in the book is just this feral wolf with blood dripping down its teeth, stepping over a pile of bones. Right? Like they are, they are bloodthirsty. Uh, but they are, they, they're, they're that way for a reason. And it's because they were always fighting the worm in the wild. Mm -hmm. And they are all about survival in the wild. So they're kind of the, how do I put this? They're like the wilderness version of the Bonars. Mm -hmm. They're resourceful, but tracking something on their, on their home turf is a lot easier for them. Okay. And then Shadow Lords. I know more about Shadow Lords than some of the others because of Jake. He's mm -hmm. playing one. Shadow Lords are great. Um, they are, they hail from, if I want to say like, not Mediterranean, but where the Holy Roman Empire was, yep. which is a little more Mediterranean. They have a lot of Turkish descent in them. Uh, their tribal totem is Grandfather Thunder. So Shadow Lords are have different camps and the camp that Jake is playing seeks out the true leader and supports them but it also sniffs out false leaders false prophets and seeks to undermine and destroy them uh shadow lords have a really interesting history in the victorian era or uh yeah in the victorian era they actually were on the front lines defeating dracula in transylvania and they they were instrumental in actually bringing them down uh, because they're so good at what they do and infiltration and like shutting down organizations. They were used for a time as like 
a form of KGB or secret police to take down certain things, but that got really easily corrupted. They worked uh, in tangent with another tribe, the Silver Fangs, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, and there's a rivalry between them as a result, but mm -hmm. they can work really well together, which is why I have Roth and Groose working really closely together because they were brothers in arms. Mm -hmm. um, the Shadow Lords, Jake actually told me a really interesting story about, is after their fight with Dracula, who was traditional, like what you think of original vampire lore, changed into bats, did the blood rituals, sucking blood, all that other shit. They go, that's when the Americas started opening up. And they hopped, a couple of them hopped a ship and found their way into South America. And when they got there, they wandered upon a Aztec tribe that was doing blood rituals and they would take the form of bats. Their immediate response was, these are vampires. These are descendants of Dracula. He's here in the new world. And they went on a genocidal crusade and wiped that entire tribe off the map only to learn later that it was a tribe of werebats that was doing blood rituals to an ancient Aztec uh, form of the worm to keep it locked at bay. And that is their greatest shame as a tribe. And they live, uh, I think one of their princes, one of their great warriors went down into the deep umbra to find the soul of the last prince of that tribe and bring him back. So there's a set, there's like an entire like group in the shadow lords there's a camp that does their best to live the ideals of this lost this lost werebat race to make amends mm -hmm. so yeah shadow lords are cool i know i know a little bit more about them because of jake and then ah that's my favorite i love so silent striders are my favorite tribe and nobody is playing them and it makes me really sad um silent striders was the first tribe that I ever played when Brendan ran his World of Darkness game. Um, and they are, they're wanderers. They are the most adept at slipping into the Umbra. They're typically seen as Egyptian descent. Uh, the one I played was an Anubis. And mm -hmm. You kind of, you kind of get to see her briefly in an upcoming episode. Uh, her name is Aldenai. She's an Anubis hound. And I just, I loved, I loved playing her. She was so much fun. They are really good at traveling through the Umbra. So Silent Striders are the least likely to join a pack or the mm -hmm. least likely to, to settle in one place. They travel a lot. Uh, they carry stories. They carry wisdom. They don't necessarily share that with other people, though, unless it's pertinent they get a bad rap for not taking a more active role in the fight against the worm, but their entire way of fighting the worm is protecting channels of travel. And then we come to Silverfangs. I feel like you know more about Silverfangs than I do. I actually do not. Okay. Silverfangs are just kind of the... I don't know where they come from. They're European. They're European. Um, they're kind of like the brother tribe to the Shadow Lords. And they're more... Whereas the Shadow Lords are kind of seen as kind of... The house guard. The house guard, the silver fangs, are like supposed to be the uh, lords. the lords. They're the most inbred, if I recall. Mm -hmm. um, so they very much follow the the stereotype of European royalty. Yeah, they they're they're your political tribe. They're this. They're silver fangs, also known as the silver tongues. They're very good at talking. 
Um, and they are all about holding power. If I recall for a while, they were the ranking tribe. Like, they were in charge of the most things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be quoting that wrong. Please don't scream at me on Twitter about that if, I, if I'm doing this wrong. You um, scream at me on Twitter. Well, I'm also linked to it. Oh, okay. So, uh, aristocratic human stock. Uh, resemblance within their bloodlines, clean or white coats. So yeah, they're 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 the noble tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, their tribal token totem is the falcon. They stress the necessity of leadership. So they want. So I guess they the, want to be in charge. They don't necessarily want to be. They're in the ventru of the of the werewolves. I have no idea what that means, but I'm sure that it makes sense to some people. The best way I know how to explain them is that maybe they don't necessarily want to be in charge, but they do want order. They do mm-hmm. like law. They do like rules and political systems. Okay. They like structure. And it just so happens that they happen to be in charge of all of that structure. So, you know, why why not? Uh, stargazers. Um, this is what Christina is playing. They are, they hail from the Himalayas. They're typically Buddhist monks. Uh, they They, like their namesake would imply they are... They have their head in the clouds sometimes. They are strong warriors. They actually are one of the only ones with their own form of martial art, which is called Kailindo. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll get to. It sounds very like it sounds very Jedi. Whenever mm-hmm. I hear it, it just sounds like it, it does sound like a, like a Jedi martial art. <laughs> really? We'll get to seeing Christina try Kailindo soon enough. Oh my god, it's so fucking. <laughs> uh, they are a diminished tribe. They are there's an entire system that World of Darkness came out with in the nineties called Hinga Yokai, mm-hmm. which is your more Inuyasha style werewolves. Yes. That's the best way I know how to explain it. Like Hinga Yokai is like is basically Hinga Yokai is the different uh, changing breeds such as um, Kitsune, Tengu, uh, the more eastern shapeshifters. So stuff you would see in an anime. Is the best, like, you know I'm right. Yeah, yeah. And stargazers are actually the one tribe that's closest to them. Not only in geographical location, but they're also respected by the Hinga Yokai. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if I'm, if I'm wrong about all of this, or if I'm giving such a basic explanation to those of you who are way better at werewolves than I am, please don't scream at me. Just tell me in the comments. Well, actually, you can make, I don't know. Uh, and then the Utena, which I know very little about. Again, I've, I've skimmed this book enough to give you guys a vanilla game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Utena are Native American tribes. They are one of three. I believe they were the older brother. Mm-hmm. So you had the Utena, you had the Croatoan, and then you had the Wendigo. Right. And those three were tied together. They were the Native American tribes uh, that faced American colonization firsthand and probably suffered the most from it. Right. The Utena are the older brother. They are the shamans. They are more. They're a little bit more wise. Also, what Brit's playing? This is what Brit is playing. They're a little bit. So when you're when you're like, oh, I don't understand why, as an Arun, she's not taking more direct action. It's because of her tribe. It it kind of mellows that out. They are spiritual shamans. They their quote is, we are not. We're not given eyes, ears, and a mind, so we could stay blind, deaf, and ignorant. Their whole, Fair. their whole thing is that they were the least likely to take action. They were more likely to want to sit down and talk about things and find a way to um, have those conversations. Their their aesthetic is very Pacific Northwest, uh, with my very very limited 
knowledge of Native American history, which I really should delve more into. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a tribe in the Pacific Northwest that instead of facing American colonists directly, they actually just fled. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's very indicative of how these these tri- this specific tribe handled situations. Uh, the Croatoan became a lost tribe. They actually sacrificed themselves, the, the, the middle brother, sacrificed themselves to stop an onslaught of the worm. And then the Wendigo... Became... My favorite episode of Supernatural. <laughs> it's so bad, though. I know. It's so that's, bad. That's the joke. The Wendigo are the younger brothers, so they are typically seen as impetuous, bloodthirsty. Um, they are from... The Far North Tribes, so... They're from Canada. They're from Canada and Alaska, so they are very much... Their their tribe totem is the cannibal spirit of winter, though they are not cannibals. Right. They are about kind of survivalistic instinct, scraping what you can from the bottom, even if it means taking what you have, like your, something that like your tent and cannibalizing it into something else right it's the idea of just because something is built it's the idea of using everything you can the most amount of times you can yes um and they are seen as almost lost to the other tribes because of their their anger and the your anger is what caused the white howlers to fall so the more Mm -hmm. bloodthirsty tribes are seen as at the most at risk of falling to the worm entirely. And that was the 13 tribes. That was a yep. whole fucking... We could do an entire series just about the tribes. Yeah. Um. So... What else? We should probably actually explain how the game is actually played. Yeah, it's... That's, we could do... You know, I'm realizing so, we could probably do entire episodes... About just on the lore lore and stuff. Maybe that's a thing we can do later on uh, to kind of expand upon it. But we'd have to definitely come in with fucking notes. Yeah. No, we can't do this off the cuff again. Like, we were not prepared for this. So, (laughs) really, so, breaking down how the system works. Yes. World of Darkness, as a whole, is a D10 system. D10 success system. Yeah, well, it's just called just D10s. Anyway, it's, it's a D10 success system. Where that um, you take your... So you'll hear throughout the game uh, Julia asking us to take a attribute and an ability and kind of mash them together and say... Difficulty. Yeah, say, say difficulty. Like, standard difficulty is usually six, but if it's something easier but it still has a chance of failing for us, like it might be a lower difficulty or we might have abilities that lower the difficulty... Uh, basically, what difficulty means is that's the number that the die has to read. So if I say, roll me your strength and brawl to, or your, I'm sorry, your dex and brawl to see if you hit. If I have three points in dex and three points in brawl, I'm rolling six d10s. And then I tell you your difficulty is six. Every die that reads a number six or higher is a success. A 10. 10 counts as two successes, and a 1 negates a single success, which for a while we were reading it wrong. We thought it was the initial die. Forgive us, uh, we're actually recording this before we release earlier recordings. So mm-hmm. we're, I, again, novice GM, I'm still getting my footing on the system, but I feel like I'm doing a good job. Yeah, no, you're doing a good job. 
Um, so um, if I say, hey, it's difficulty seven, that means that it's just a little bit harder than average. Mm -hmm. um, and when I tell somebody, hey, add a stunt die, that means they right. add one extra die to their role for so, exceptional role play or description yeah, I, I was, of what I they did. I was going to say, you want to explain what stunt die are. So stunt die is actually a concept that uh, we really liked that came from the Exalted games. That uh, Second edition, right? Yeah, I think it's first actually, or second. I, I think it's in all of them. It, I don't remember it being in third edition. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was heavily in first edition. Oh yeah, that's right. Or in third edition, heavily. We just didn't use it because you remember me switching over to Godbound for the last year. Let's just not. Let's not get into that. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so um, so stunt die are basically like it's it's a way to encourage your players to role play. It's no one gets a stunt die if you just go, yeah, I attack him. But if you describe how you attack him, it's like, oh, yeah, I come in from behind and I stab him and do whatever. Okay, cool, add a stunt die. Or if you give it, like, just that extreme so, flair, you might get two or even three stunt die. There's a great example in our first episode where uh, Cressamere is dealing with jo uh, Joey Williams and the casino. Right. And... Jake and I did like what six minutes of role play before I had him roll anything, and I added right. I had him add a stunt die for exceptional role play, mm -hmm. and he was just doing a manipulation thing. So it's not always combat based. Yeah, it's not it's not always combat based. It's usually like it's that thing. What it is is it's the difference between I roll to seduce the bartender and actually role playing out actually role playing out for even just a couple of seconds like what that you say or instead even of just... describing exactly how you're seducing them like uh my body language is supposed to convey this like putting in that little extra minute or two of effort goes a long way in this system because it just it, the, the whole thing about world of darkness is that it's very cinematic mm -hmm. yeah. and that's something there's no maps there's no uh it's all supposed to be like mental landscape. For... Which is why the LARP, I think, is called Mind's Eye. Yep. Because it's in the Mind's Eye Theater. The LARP is weird, but for those weird. of you that play, like, I, a... I would love to hear stories about that. I would love that. to hear stories about, please. But, please, I have never had a good experience at a World of Darkness LARP. See, I believe her. Because it's just a bunch of nerds dressing up and playing rock, paper, scissors with each other. To it's be really fair, weird. though, we're a bunch of nerds that dress up and go shoot each other with Nerf guns and then pretend our arm got blown off. So we can't really speak. I'm gonna throw that. Like I'm throwing, that, a, I'm, yeah. I'm throwing us under the bus on that one. Listen here, I've lived under this bus for years. Like, please send us messages on Twitter or uh, add us on Twitter about your Mind's Eye Theater LARPing experiences. I would love to hear about them. I've never played. I've heard mixed reviews. I actually have friends who play who fucking love it. They go See, every I, other I've, week to go. I've played in uh, one or two, and they were just maybe you just... really bad experiences well maybe we're just looking for different things but no we're getting off topic so back to werewolf <laughs> so we explained how stunt dies work yeah uh, and how combat works um oh combat's a. so some people are probably used to combat being a um i have an ac i have an ac i have a specific number that you have to beat to to hit me so the way that combat works well the way that all of... roles work in world of darkness is you only need one success to do the thing right more successes but, means you do the thing really well but, but in combat it, but in combat it's contested meaning that uh and sometimes in social stuff it can be contested too yeah uh, usually a willpower role anything do that. that you're doing to affect another person 
is a that, contested that they probably role. don't want to happen. Like there, I mean, there's there's difference. Anyway, so we could go off topic on this for hours. Yeah, we could. Um, we really do are good at that. <laughs> so the way that combat would work is, um, so I use swords in the game. So I would roll my dex plus melee to hit. Um, Julia would usually give me like it's usually difficulty six unless yes. it's, um, unless it's a really difficult situation or your your weapon will have its own difficulty but that's a completely different that's a whole other story mm-hmm. um so standard so that, difficulty so, would be six so standard difficulty would be six and then after that after that gets rolled we then so have... say you got five successes right and I playing your the enemy I would roll to either dodge or block. And if I'm going to dodge it... Or parry. I, or parry. If I'm going to dodge it, it's dex plus athletics. Mm-hmm. Parry is strength. No, dex plus melee. Dex plus melee. And blocking... Block is dex plus brawl. Yep. So you would roll these... Also, the blocking for if you're against a sword is like at a way higher difficulty because it's like you're basically catching a sword in your yes. hands. So, um, say I roll dex and... Dex and athletics to dodge out of the way of this thing. Mm-hmm. The idea is that I need to get at least six successes to dodge. Because the way, like, it might not be that in the book, but the way I have always run contested roles in any game is that if it's a tie, the tie always goes to the player. And I know that in World of Darkness, the tie negates. Right? So what the, you're actually doing with the dodge is every success you get on the dodge is technically a one against me. Yes. Meaning that if I, if you get a five, you take away all my successes. So you just that fail. I would have just failed. But because of the way I run things, because I always want my players to kind of have the upper hand, because you guys are playing the heroes. Mm-hmm. No matter how, like, that's why I have... I have I could do a whole entire episode on just my personal rules as a GM from my limited experience uh, playing and GMing. But one of my rules is no evil characters. And that's for a very specific reason. I want you guys to play the heroes. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I always give ties to the players. Whereas I tend to be a little bit more by the book, but I also let people get away with some weirder shit than usual. If the system gets in the way of my story or having or my players having fun, then the system gets tossed out the window. That's just yeah, how I roll. No, that, that, that's fair. I I also like to play on the side of being a little bit more lethal and having Yeah. You want the game to feel more I want I want the game to feel like you could die at any moment because that's <laughs> how like I want you guys to succeed, but at the same time, like we play these games with dice instead of just sitting around a table writing a story together for a reason. Yeah. Because we want that element of randomness to see if we're going to... Is Are we going to live or die today? Who knows? Let's Next find out. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Like, that's kind of how it feels yeah, sometimes. Yeah, no. So, so, anyway, so let's say that Julia gets... Four successes. Four successes. To dodge. To dodge. So now, to determine how much damage that I do... I am rolling my strength plus my weapons damage, which there's a chart in the book for different weapons, and the amount of extra successes that I got on uh, on the attack. On the attack. So if her, well, the amount of successes I got on the attack, not extra. You run it. I run it as extra successes. You run it as successes. Yeah. 
So the book runs it as extra successes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's anything after one gets added in, but you run it as... Well, it's actually the same thing, because if my four negates four of yours, then you only got one. Right. So I still hit, but I don't get any extra successes. Yeah, but I give them every success versus oh, one right, they Oh, right, but since, it, since it, it's a tie, I always get it on a tie. Okay, yeah, no. It, it, Does it, that make it, more it, sense? It makes sense, yeah. The way that... So we're saying the exact same thing, same but the in exact different same languages. Thing, just in different languages, because... Because of that tie mechanic. Yes. Okay, so... Can I spoil my ridiculous role? No. Oh. No, because they're going to love it. it. I'm not letting you give them any... Because it's two episodes from now. It's probably more than it's that. It's probably like two or three episodes from now, and you like do something fucking crazy and ridiculous. And yeah, no, so... Please so... send me all of your conspiracy theories about the crazy ridiculousness that <laughs> Ganon does. I want to hear them. <laughs> So, yeah, so you, you you can get, if you get a good enough attack roll, you can do some disgusting damage. And keep in mind that... Um, or, oh, you know what's a really great example? Hmm. Your Mixed World of Darkness game when Jake got that ridiculous roll against Satan. No, that's actually not a really good example. It's not? No, that's a terrible example because that's me completely botching a 20 willpower roll. Yeah, but at the same time, that's how the mechanics that, rolled. A, better example is when joe got a shotgun to the face oh yeah oh my god that's right that's like you one-shotted his character i one-shotted an entire character because there was a double-barreled shotgun that went off on the other side of a door nobody checked the door for traps nobody checked the door for traps successfully yeah Oh, yeah, so someone checked the door for traps, they failed. You checked the door for traps. I did? Yes, you I checked. I was the wrong person to do that. You were the right person to do that. You just botched your thing. And instead of being like, yeah, you don't, instead of being like, you don't know if this door's trapped. Yeah, no, that door didn't. Well, I don't know if I, did. I don't know. Like, I went, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I went and I, checked what? and I didn't find yeah, anything, yeah, well, so what? I role-played well, yeah. it properly. So, 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 real quick thing is just <laughs> fucking. I'm afraid of explosions. It's so. just, it's just. Making sure that anytime someone checks for traps, you use the right, the correct language with them, which is, you don't find anything. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say that there wasn't or was a trap. I just said you didn't find anything. Yeah, that was what and I then told Joe people. opened the door. But, and well, he no, found I turned it. to the group and I said to them, "No, I didn't find anything. Right. As far as I know, there's this isn't trapped." And that they just took me at the word. Nobody decided. Like we, none of us metagamed. That was an example of perfect roleplay at that point. And so Joe opens opens the door. And gets a double-barreled shotgun directly to the chest. Um, and shotguns are extraordinarily lethal. They deal eight damage a barrel. Which then translate and remember... And you only have a max of 14. No, 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 no. So the way that damage works is bashing, which is me punching you. Which or, is half damage. Or, yeah, which is a single slash in a checkbox. Lethal is an entire cross, like... One lethal damage takes you down a whole health level. So you only have, what, five health levels? Seven. Seven health levels. Which is why I say you have 14, typically 14 hit points, because if you're only dealing with somebody punching you, you can take 14 hits before you're dead. Um, lethal is twice the amount of bashing damage. And extraordinarily common. And, especially yes. in Werewolf. Because you're dealing with guns, your claws can do lethal damage, or mm-hmm. aggravated, depending. Aggravated's a whole other system that I really don't want to get into until I absolutely have to. Um, so lethal, basically, if you're taking lethal damage, you only have seven hit points before you're dead. 
And if a single barrel from a shotgun is doing eight, one shot from this shotgun kills you. Assuming that it all rolls damage. Yes. Because the damage still has to be rolled. So yeah. So you get eight die to roll. But he took both shots, didn't he? Yeah. So he took 16 dice worth of damage, which came out to just one shot. It just fucking dropped him. Mm -hmm. And that was game one that I played in. Yep. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that was the first time I've ever played World of Darkness. That's the first time and I've ever seen combat. just fucking dropped. And I am, was like, all right, we're just going to do this. <laughs> um, Is there anything else we have to go over? Uh, I think like, that's a pretty good yeah, I feel like, stopping point. Like, Because we could just keep going on and on. And we're already at an hour and almost 15 minutes for this. Yeah. Um, so if you guys have more questions or comments or concerns, hit us up at A Pair of Dice Lost on twitter we'll make sure to post the the link to that um mm -hmm. another note that i'd like to make is we're always looking for artwork for this if you guys want your artwork featured as like the the image per episode go ahead and send us stuff um i don't really want to just grab stuff off the internet and not credit uh artists uh same same thing goes with music we're always looking for music for our game we're looking for some good background music to put with it because i feel like that's kind of lacking mm -hmm. um uh, you wanted me to go over the inspiration for this game, but I don't really think that I have another 45 minutes to go over this. I don't this. think that, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to listen to me, you know, stroke my ego for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I'll just put that on the blog, which, again, the link is in the is going to be in the comments of this. Please check that out. Christina has done so much work on that. I really don't know what we'd do without her. And uh, a lot of the artwork on there was done by Maury. He's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll see if I can't get a link to his DeviantArt or some of his other spaces so you can check out the work that he does. Um, is there anything else that I'm missing? No, not really. I All think right. maybe this is something that we should do more on the regular because this was really fun to just kind of get to sit and talk about stuff. Well, thanks guys for listening to my husband and I ramble. Um, we're really excited. We should have an episode up in about another week. We're going to start doing a bi-weekly release schedule soon, especially once we start getting mage. Bi-weekly for Werewolf after this next episode. Yeah, so we're going to be on our we did an episode early mm -hmm. and we're releasing a bonus episode and so technically you guys are getting two bonus episodes this week i'm really kind of um yeah um, technically two bonus episodes this week and then we're gonna have another werewolf episode on monday and then after that it'll be two weeks before the next werewolf episode but it'll be a week until mage yep first episode of mage which i'm not gonna be in which makes me really sad uh that's why i'm gonna be doing a little mini episode for you okay so uh, we'll have a mage episode and a bonus episode we're just we're rambling gonna, at this we're, point we're probably gonna have a bonus mage episode that makes <laughs> sense when i put it up we're coming up on an hour and 15 minutes we need to cut this okay thanks so much guys for listening uh check us out on twitter yep. have a great day okay bye, bye.